Star Wars 7x7 episode 1852. Today, continuing the Summer Rewind and our tribute to Anthony Resnikin, who is unfortunately no longer with Entertainment Weekly. This is part two of an interview that I did with him following up on part one of the episode that I shared yesterday. Let's go. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this second of three Summer Rewind episodes where I am honoring the career of Anthony Bresnikin. He's moved on to bigger and better things. He is no longer with Entertainment Weekly, but while he was there, he was the go-to source for anything you wanted to know about Star Wars. But of course, he did a number of other interesting things as well, including hosting the Force Awakens panel at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. So yeah, that's a big deal. And that of course was the one that was hosted by Josh Gad for The Last Jedi and by Stephen Colbert for The Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, they had to follow in some pretty heavy footsteps. And we're gonna talk about that Force Awakens panel hosting gig and a lot of other stuff during the second part of this conversation that I had with him from 2016 when I was in Ireland. He was back in the US ahead of Celebration Europe. I'm gonna share that with you after the break, but before I go, I do wanna say, may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Now, stay tuned right after the break, that second half of the conversation with Anthony Bresnikan, former senior writer with Entertainment Weekly. This episode is brought to you by Constant Contact, the premier email marketing solution for small businesses and organizations. I've used their service since 2003, and over the past decade and a half, I've watched them evolve, make the product simpler, more powerful, easy to use, and do everything that they can to help train people to use the product more effectively and for it to work with other forms of marketing like social media, for example. So. Check out sw7x7.com slash email to learn more about Constant Contact and start a free trial. Once again, that is sw7x7.com slash email for a free trial. So were you a fan of Star Wars before you started covering it? I never heard of Star Wars, to be honest. Like, I, I, I didn't know what that was. I just, I read history books as a child. I was very into, into uh, you know, the Ottoman Empire and... and uh, uh, you know, mathematics. I was a big trigonometry nut. No, I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm, I, I was born in 1976, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I grew up watching the movies in the theaters. I grew up reenacting the stories with my action figures, you know, my Kenner action figures. I'm sure that if you did an archaeological excavation of, of, uh, of my backyard and the backyard of my best friend, Joey Mitchell, who lived three doors down, you would find a whole civilization of Star Wars characters and some G.I. Joe and some masks like embedded in the earth like the, um, like the victims of Pompeii <laughs> and Mount Vesuvius. Like you just find them sort of still buried beneath the, the grass in those backyard areas. Like, you know, I, I loved Star Wars. It, 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 it made a connection with me at a young age the way it did with millions of people. And, and that never really went away. Except during the 90s, for some reason, when Star Wars ceased to exist for everyone. Right. And um, I remember I, I had a, another friend of mine. He, he, uh, he had like an a exchange student come and stay with the family, right? And she was from Norway, Gunhild. And she, mm. she had never seen a Star Wars film. And my friend's dad was like, 
you need to watch these. This is part of your American experience. Right. And we were laughing at him because like, he was like, these are some of the greatest movies ever made. And to us at age like 15, 16, like Star Wars was kid stuff. That's what we liked back when we were, you know, eight years old. Half a lifetime ago, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then we watched them again with built the exchange student. We were like, "Damn, these are great movies!" And then in college, the the special editions came out in theaters, and I remember watching them again with my friends again, like five years after I had watched them on tape, you know, in my friend's basement, and uh, watching them on the big screen again. Man, that was that was those were fun movies. Those were great movies. I love these movies, and and then you get the prequels, and you get excitement over that, and now you've got a new trilogy. Like I love how Star Wars is like it's like the the twenty year locust, but more like every five or six years, there's suddenly like a big bloom of Star Wars that comes up, and uh, it makes me happy. And, and last week, rolling out all these Rogue One stories, these these images, these character descriptions, plot details, the tease, the film, hopefully without spoiling it. Um, you know, seeing that make people happy really, really got, you know, my blood going, especially since it's been such a dismal summer with terrible, horrific, nightmarish news from all corners of the world. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars is a nice escape. We can go to that galaxy where they blow up whole planets, but it's okay because uh, it's Star Wars. <laughs> How long have you been covering Star Wars for Entertainment Weekly? Well, I've been covering Star Wars since probably... What did, when did Attack of the Clones come out? 2002? Yeah. Um, but even Phantom Menace, I was an intern or cl- a clerk at the uh, Associated Press here in L.A., and I was given assignments like, go to the Toys R Us at midnight, their, oh, you know, their version of Force Friday back then. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and interview some fans who were waiting in line for these toys. I, I did a bunch of stories about people who were waiting. Remember how people waited like weeks Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is before the days of like ordering your ticket in advance. Yes. <laughs> um, they'd wait in line to get into the movie. And, uh, you know, I, I would do stories like that back in 99. So I guess it's almost been a good 16 years that I've been covering it. My when goodness. Been right down to it. Or, or what is it now? That would be uh, uh, eight, 17 years. 17 well, years. Obviously, yeah. I'm not a math. <laughs> oh, what you were telling me earlier, the not so yeah. much, not in trigonometry after all? No, it's <laughs> definitely a lie. But like, the, yeah, but it's a good 17 years that I've been writing about Star Wars to one degree or another. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I signed on for Force Awakens from the get-go. The minute they announced Disney was buying Lucasfilm and the that this there would be a new series of movies. I started covering the the franchise. Did and, you have uh, to lobby for that assignment, or was it given to sure. you? Part of it's uh, that I had connections. So when, um, you know, I think the way it went down was that Bob Iger announced the um, the acquisition of a Lucasfilm in like an earnings call, you mm-hmm. know, with Disney Walt Disney Company investors. And uh, at that point, I don't think anybody was really listening to that earnings call. It was like suddenly this news started to make its way around. So, like, you know, I hop on the phone and call all the people I know at Disney and say, is this true? Yes, it's true. Okay. Well, not that they were going to hide that at that point. But, you know, you just get on from the get-go that you can call and confirm things. I remember the rumor that J.J. Abrams was going to direct. I came out of a, an interview, walked out of my office, and, like, people were in the hall, like, pulling their hair out. Like, oh, my God, J.J. Abrams, there's a rumor that he's going to direct. Just, which was baffling to us because he had gone on the record with us with another reporter saying he was, he was not going to direct. 
So then it was up to me like to call around and get just get that confirmed because again, we don't just report things that other people report. You know, we try to get our own confirmation of that. Even if it's something simple like casting news. I believe everything that's a certain trade reporters publish. I know them personally. I know that they're as honest and ethical as I try to be, as I am, <laughs> as I try to be. Mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think they're, you know, I see their report and I have no doubt about it. And I still send an email to the agent, to the uh, representative, the publicist, the, to the studio and say, is this, uh, is this legit? You know, is this a legit thing? And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you'll read a report that's not. So I, I spent some time trying to confirm the JJ thing. Of course, it was true. Got it nailed down. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how you get in on it is uh, partly you lobby. You say, I really care about this. I want to do it. And you have to have the goods to, to actually fulfill that promise. You can't come in and say, I really want to write about Star Wars and not be able to get a question answered. Um, but, you know, years ago I had done an interview with George Lucas uh, that I, th- I think uh, helped forge a, a good relationship with him. Like it was, it was about um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, mm-hmm. again, like that movie or hate that movie, I thought it was interesting that Indiana Jones was a father in that movie. And, 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 and in The Last Crusade, it was all about Indiana Jones's dad. And then Star Wars has a lot about fatherhood in it. And at the time, Alan, I, I was about to become a father. So this was on my mind, right? Right. And I, and I, I brought it up to George. I said, I, I'm curious about the themes of fatherhood in your movies. And let's, can we talk about that? And, and we did. And we, uh, can we talk about your dad and what your relationship to your dad was? And his dad ran an office supply company in Northern California that he'd built up from the ground built up from nothing, and he really wanted his boy to work with him and take on this thing he had built and, and, and carry it forward and maybe make it bigger and, and, and more successful than he could have ever imagined. And George didn't want to do that. He wanted to race uh, cars and make movies. And his father was crestfallen and angry. And I thought this was a fascinating story. And as he's telling it, I'm like, George, like, are you... Are you being serious? Like this is join me and together we will roll the office supply business right. together. <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time, but that that was a part of Star Wars was pushing away from the thing your father made and not wanting to be like that, and that that was a very hard thing to do." So, like, we did that story, and um, uh, that was for USA Today, and, and, and you know. Like you have a good interview with somebody where you pull something out of them that they didn't expect to talk about, and you forge a bond of trust. And I've been trying to build that up with various people for you know nearly two decades now. Here I am. And so you're not just doing the interviews and having it be in print, but you know that then led you to doing things like moderating moderating panels, like you did at Celebration Anaheim last year. So what is that experience like? Is it different for you doing it, you know, in private, as it were, and having it be published as a written piece versus actually doing, you know, almost a similar kind of thing and taking it onto the stage for thousands, if not, you know, millions to see and reflect upon? Oh, well, it's nerve wracking to be out. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's alarming. And um, I'm not as polished as people who are on TV, you know, that do this every day, go on television in front of the camera and they're really good looking and, and, and fit and, and smooth in the way they deliver their questions. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe they have a teleprompter to aid them, 
I didn't have that at celebration. That would have been nice. Well, how um, scripted was that? I mean, that had to be pretty. I, I would have thought it had to be pretty well scripted out in terms of the things that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams would have wanted to make sure got covered while they were out on stage. Yeah. Well, in a sense, you're right, and in a sense, you're not, because I would say, apart from the public performance element of doing it in front of, I guess it was like 6,000 people or something at Anaheim's Convention Center, and I, I, to this day, I don't know how many people watched that live stream. I'm guessing it was a lot, Yeah. Uh, but there were, uh, because there was a lot of reaction to it, but um, apart from that, doing it live... It's eerily similar to, or surprisingly similar to, writing a, a news story, which is I sit down, I get on the phone with Kathy. She was like the first big interview that I did for this cover, uh, just because of the timing. She was the first one scheduled. And, you know, I'm kind of feeling my way. I know the basics of the story, and I'm trying to find out what else we can present. Now, I'm also not interested in breaking spoilers. Like, I, if I found out the end of Rogue One, like, if I got my hands on a script for Rogue One, I'm not going to tell you the end of it. You know what I mean? My right. readers would, would hate that, and I would hate that. So I'm very cognizant of what's a spoiler and what's not. And sometimes I ask to have the spoiler explained to me because then it's a little easier to write around it. Sometimes you can stumble on a spoiler or suggest something because you don't even know it's there. You know, right? You make a joke or something about somebody being somebody's father, and like suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the internet hear, breaks. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, you sit down, you feel your way. It's like a, a little bit of a guessing game, like password. You know, like okay, this guy's this guy Force Whitaker plays. Well, that was that's a bad example because he has a deep history. But like, okay, tell me about Cassie and Andor. Like, what kind of guy is he? Oh, he's you know, he's this intelligence officer. He's He's really devoted to the rebels. Okay, well, he's paired up with Jin, and she's a troublemaker. So is he kind of a balancing force? Yeah, I would say he is. You know what I mean? Like, so you get, you kind of get, and that's the value of actually speaking to an outsider as opposed to just publishing a press release, because the outsider is able to draw things out with questions and uh, and try to understand things, almost filter it, process it, digest it in a way that the fans are going to the questions they're going to have, and that's the same thing I did moderating the panel at the Force Awakens uh, presentation at, at Celebration, which was, yes, they had certain elements that were choreographed. For instance, they, they knew they were going to roll out BB-8 and R2-D2, right? They had these two droid guys, so we're going to make that a part of the presentation. We've got this cast, the new cast, uh, John, Daisy, and Oscar. We've got the veterans, no Harrison, because he was convalescing he was recovering from his plane crash at the time right but he would have been there if not for that um and and we had uh, mark carrie anthony and peter and so we have those elements right and then we've got kathy and jj and then the night before we show up at the uh convention center at, with this on stage you know like backstage, on stage, off to the side of the stage, and we start talking about what the presentation is going to be. Now, here's what they had in place before I got involved at that, at that stage. They knew they were going to show certain photos, right? Mm -hmm. were, you remember when we were talking, they were showing images on the big screen behind us. And every now and then we'd be talking, and people would react to something, and we'd be kind of like looking up, what is, okay, what are they seeing? They knew they were going to have the stormtroopers come out, and they wanted to do a great big cast photo at the very end. 
they knew they were going to show the trailer at the end of the, pre- of the presentation. So those, those elements were in place. Otherwise, it was kind of like a negotiation, just like I would report a story. Like, okay, this is what you've got to show. Like they, in the magazine, here are the photos that we're going to give. Okay, well, can we have a photo of this? Can we have a photo of that? Yes, you can. No, you can't. You can't have a new Darth Vader, and you can't have a Galen Ursa. Okay. Can we have, you know, can you explain what this stormtrooper is with a doll? No, we don't really want to do that. Well, you better because it looks like people might interpret that as a joke photo. Okay, let's, it's a little toy soldier from the galaxy. So that's sort of what I did with this Rogue One cover story. And it's also what I did at the Force Awakens panel. So, okay, we decide we're going to start with, by me coming out and saying something that kind of makes this big global event that's live streaming around the world and happening in an auditorium full of thousands of people feel somewhat intimate. So talk about what Star Wars means to me. I had to introduce myself, right? Right. Uh, I'm the guy who's doing this. I care about this. And, um, and try to conjure, my goal at least, was try to conjure some, some sentiment and some warmth and, and the memories. And the reason that you waited in line to get into this theater, into this arena... Like it's because these movies mean something to you. Because at a at a time when you were younger, probably you you went to see them and they they moved you and inspired you in some way. Do that, okay? So we're gonna do that, and then you know they had little bits of business, like they had emojis they needed to have mentioned. Okay, no problem. I can carry that water. Uh, but then it's a matter of what are JJ and Kathy gonna talk about? And you know they were not prepared to talk about the plot or the characters. They did say, we want to mention the, the, the Force for Change charity thing. No problem. I think that's a legit thing to bring up, so I have no problem asking about that. But then it was kind of like, well, okay, well, let's talk about your own histories here. Just like you asked me. Like, okay, did you grow up with Star Wars? So JJ, he just turned like 50 this week. Did you know that? And yeah, I saw that. But like, uh, so he was like a... Like in his early teens, I think when when uh, when Star Wars came out. So um, so okay, tell me about your experience with this. And Kathy was older, so she didn't wasn't necessarily a kid when those came out. But she talked about her own experience with it and working with George over the years and getting to know him on on the Indiana Jones movies. And um, and then it was like, okay, we're going to bring out the droid guys and talk to them for a little while. So I, I came up with the questions for that. And then, you know, J.J., I said, I think we should, we should give people something. And J.J. was ready to talk about Jakku, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and explain that that was the name of the planet, that it wasn't Tatooine. And I wanted to talk more about what Jakku is, if it's not Tatooine. And he didn't want to do that. So you actually saw a little bit of that in the presentation, where I think I said was, well, like, let's talk about Jakku. And he was like, no, not ready yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that whole night, we spent hours around a table with the cast, with a bunch of Disney and Lucasfilm uh, executives, PR, marketing, JJ and Kathy and I, and a laptop, and I basically went through the questions. Because also, Alan, it wouldn't have been fun for anyone for me to sit up on that stage and plow into a brick wall again and again. Hey, tell me about what's happening on Jakku. No, I can't do that. Okay, tell me who Finn is. Can't do that. So it was sort of like a negotiation, just like the writing of a story, where I sit and I ask the questions and I get the answers from them and I find out what their limits are and I try to push those limits and I'm not going to push them, like I said, into spoiler territory. 
But initially, for instance, the new actors were going to come out and talk about the audition process and what it was like to join a Star Wars movie and work behind the scenes. And we went through some of that, and J.J. looked at me, and he was like, what do you think? And I said, I think it's kind of boring, <laughs> because it's not, it's not that different from any movie, you know? They auditioned, they came back, they auditioned again, they kept it secret, they came back. And then they got the part. And so it's kind of a shaggy dog story. There's just not a lot of drama there. And he goes, well, what do you think people really want? And I was like, well, they want plot and story and character. Well, they're not ready to get into the plot. But I said, why don't we describe, why don't we have the actors describe who they are? You know, nobody knows at that point whether Finn is, act- or is actually a story. We did know his name was Finn at that point. But like, we don't know whether he's an actual stormtrooper or if he's in disguise. So which is it? And in fact, I think he slipped up if, or if, if that was actually a slip-up or an intended moment. But I think that's when they revealed that he was a stormtrooper on stage at Celebration. He was actually supposed to go deeper than that. What he did was, when I asked, like, so tell me about it. Is he a stormtrooper? Is he uh, in disguise? He just kind of shook his head and, like, acted like, like he, he, was, he, was supposed to go, he was supposed to go a little deeper than he did. Mm. Like, he was supposed to say... Like, like, this is what we worked out the night before. Like, okay, well, he's he is a stormtrooper, and he's you know he, he doesn't want to do that job anymore. He's got a crisis of conscience, so he was prepared to say that. And then on stage, I think he got nervous, like he couldn't remember exactly what how far he was supposed to go. <laughs> so, you know, if you watch that again, he kind of gives like a little shake of his head, like or a little nod, and and uh, and JJ acts like he's outraged, but JJ. It was so funny because the night before they would, as I would ask them questions, I'd be like, "Okay, John, well, like, tell me, are you a stormtrooper? Or are you in disguise?" And he would be like looking at JJ, or, or JJ would say, "Yeah, here's what you can say. I think you can go this far." Uh, and um, and then he looked at they, those guys kept looking at JJ when we were on stage, like to make sure that they weren't going too far. But he had given them permission to say, you know, that Ray was uh, was a scavenger and that she was living on her own on this planet, and that Oscar Isaac, I, everybody already knew Oscar was playing a like a like a pilot but that that was his main job you know mm-hmm. like that was his core identity that he wasn't just a rebel who got into a cockpit he was he was the he was the han solo he was the pilot he was the getaway car driver <laughs> you know he was the he was the ace and so we sorted that out and then it was like okay well what are the veteran cast going to say and looking back now i realize why they were hesitant to have them say anything because mark doesn't even say anything in the movie Right, so mm-hmm. what are you going to have to say? And I, I really pushed. I said, I think it's important to talk about them or have them say something to the audience. And some people, like Anthony Daniels, had like remarks he wanted to say. Others, like Carrie Fisher, wanted to be asked questions, and Peter Mayhew wanted to be asked a couple of questions. So, you know, we just gave them. I threw s- sort of some easy ones their way. Peter got to talk about being back in the Chewbacca suit, and. Um, and but they got to speak instead of just coming out and waving, and I and I think I, I, that the fans really wanted that. And I also, you know, I pushed and said I want to talk about um, some of the uh, I want to talk about girls in Star Wars and the fact that you have a female lead character, and that's a, an important topic to me and, and to a lot of people. So let's address it, and we need to talk about Harrison Ford. So it was sort of like. Uh, I hope this answer isn't too long for you, but this is this was the process. Was we went through for hours what, how far they were willing to go, 
and what kind of fit topics we were going to discuss. And then the next day, we just kind of went out and then did it. So it was sort of like that was the reporting process the night before. And then the presentation was like the story after it's all crafted and put together and choreographed. And so this is where when I say when I say heavily scripted, scripted is probably the wrong word to choose, but it's kind of the idea that I had about things that this was, you know, this is very heavily thought through. It wasn't as though you showed up and it was, you know, improv on the stage for all intents and purposes. It wasn't that, but it wasn't, I will assure you, if they had wanted to just put together a dog and pony show that was totally directed by Lucasfilm and Disney, they wouldn't have had me do it right like why would you hire or hire i wasn't paid anything but like why would you recruit a a reporter to do this job if all you wanted was for somebody to come out and read a script you know they would have gotten somebody else for that and uh i think the reason they want i mean you'd have to ask them why they had me do it but i think the reason they had me do it is the same reason they do stories with us which is it helps sometimes to have an outsider ask the questions because then you're not uh, navel-gazing. You're not trapped in your own head. You're not um, lost in what you know the story to be and what you don't want to say. You have somebody else who's kind of picking that lock and trying to break through the wall and say, here's what we think is interesting. Here's what the outsiders want to know. I'm a representative of the outsiders, and this is what our people request of you. So, um, you know, I, that was why we sat around and, and and forged through the questions and crossed questions off the list and added new ones, you know, and I was very pleased with how that turned out. I, I feel like they went in some directions that they might not have gone otherwise, and uh, especially um, about girls and about Harrison. There wasn't a ton about Harrison. They had to respect his privacy, but I said, look, everybody knows he fell out of the sky. Let's talk about just give us some reassurance. Give us an update on his condition. You know, let's give him a shout out from the stage since he's not here. He's a big part of Star Wars. And they were willing to do that. So I I hope you know, we went through like the audience questions too. You know, we had some from the audience. Uh, that it were solicited online, and then I think from the line the night before, and we went through and picked the ones we thought would be the best, and you know that's where I was like, well, let's ask one that's about women in Star Wars, and 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 take it in that direction. So it was sort of like it was coordinated in that way, but it, I wouldn't. The word scripted makes it just sound like some sort of uh, propaganda, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is not the impression I intended to give with it. So yeah, yeah. my apologies yeah, in that regard. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I'd say it was organized, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it was organized the way a story is organized and written. And, and, um, but, I, but I had a lot of fun doing that. I was glad to do it. I wouldn't mind doing it again. Hopefully I'll get that chance. I hope you do too. I think you did a fantastic job. I was in the audience in person for that. And yeah, you did a bang up job with it. It was actually very, I mean, very well done. Thanks. And I think it's a testament too to just the the value of writers and editors. I know sometimes in Hollywood they get short shrift on things, but you know, even coming back to Rogue One, it's kind of a surprise in a way in this day and age where so much film is shot now and they have access to it immediately as opposed to having to, you know, ship daily ship dailies off, you know, across country or across the pond, as it were, to have them reviewed and see what shots they got and what shots they still need. Like you'd think they have everything now, but the editor is really just an 
unsung storyteller in the Star Wars universe and in, in movies in general. So I, I think that's ultimately what we've come down to is a realization of the power that the editors have in shaping these stories and then also being sort of the arbiter of of the reshoot situation then as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, uh, and by the way, since I didn't say so, your answer for celebration was uh, not too long, but I've certainly kept you on a lot longer than I had intended to. And I'm so grateful to you for your generosity with your time. Um, before we go, may I ask you also about a short story collection that just came out earlier this month that you have a story in as well? Would you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, it's um, it's not a short story collection. It's like it's an anthology of essays. Oh, it's okay. called last. Yeah, it's uh, it's all nonfiction. It's la- it's called Last Night. A superhero saved my life. It was uh, edited by Lisa Mignona, and uh, she got together people like Neil Gaiman and Brad Meltzer and Jody Picoult and uh, and Delilah Dawson and me. And I'm one of the contributors there. Jamie Ford is another one. Lee Bardugo, if you like Shadow and Bone and her Grisha trilogy. Like, so she got all these writers together and That's said... fantastic uh, company to be in. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so it's, they're all like... A lot of them are like fiction writers and and um, she she her request was like, tell me a story about a superhero that changed your life. And her own was a, involved Batman. You know, the, the home she grew up in was a pretty troubled place and um, Batman was her escape. And she has a very... Lisa herself has a moving story about... Batman and Delilah writes about the Hulk and uh, Lee wrote about Wonder Woman uh, and and I wrote about Iron Man but it's not my story it's my wife's story Uh, she was a heart patient when she was a little girl and I think all kids in those situations you know how you see Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans pop into a children's hospital and like you know they're in costume and, and, and the kids like the looks on their faces like you see these these sort of sunken faces and these you know, kid, if they have cancer, like they're bald headed and you can tell they're physically sick, but their eyes and their smiles are just so bright because they're seeing their hero in front of them. You know, and my, my wife was, was one of those kids. Uh, she didn't have cancer. She had a, 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 a heart problem. She had a hole in her heart uh, called Tetralogy a fellow when she was a little girl and, uh, was very sick. And her big brother used to share his comics with her in, in, in defiance of all uh, conflict between big brothers and little sisters, right. like, he violated that treaty. But I think it was okay. She, um, you know, she she got a lot of joy and, and strength from reading his comics uh, with him about Iron Man, about Spider Man, about Wolverine. But I, I fixated on Iron Man because he's a hero with a bad heart. He's got those metal shards that are inching toward his heart muscle and that um that arc reactor in his chest is pulling them back uh, and, and that's always the way it's been from his origin that's why he had to keep that thing in his chest going back to the original comics and so uh, you know i wrote about the strength that kids can get uh, big brothers can give their little sisters and that little sisters can take when they need it when they're feeling not so healthy and uh yeah it's a it's a short story that's really important to or it's a sh- short story it's an essay that that hits on something that's important to our family, but I think hopefully connects with a lot of other families. I think there are a lot of little girls out there who, who would love to share their big brother's comics, whether they're sick or not, but especially if they have something in their life that requires a little extra strength. You know, Alan, I'll tell you, whenever I moderate a panel at like something like celebration or 
especially Comic-Con in San Diego, you look out in those front rows and the whole place is filled with people in costume. But in the front rows, that's where they have the people, uh, you know, the handicap seating, the disability seating. And you'll see people who have crutches and wheelchairs and maybe they're even incorporated into the costume in some way. But they're dressed up as their favorite heroes. And they're getting some kind of strength from that. And I think of the guy, the dad, who made the tiny little Iron Man suit for his premature baby for Halloween a couple of years back. And that wasn't for the baby. That was for him and his wife so that they could get a little strength and get this cute picture of their tiny little premature son in his Iron Man mask. (laughs) And like seeing that, Alan, really makes me think, about when I cover these movies, because I write about the Marvel movies for EW2, but Star Wars, Marvel, DC, like these aren't just entertainments to a lot of us. They touch us very deeply. And this collection, Last Night, A Superhero Saved My Life, tries to explore what that connection is for, for, for the writers who contributed to it. And so I hope if you're into this kind of world and you're interested in, and you have those feelings and experiences yourself, Hopefully this is a book you might like or make a good birthday present for somebody else who, who also feels the same way. Well, thank you very much. And I, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree and hope that everybody listening gives that book a chance. Last Night a Superhero Saved My Life, and I'm looking forward to checking it out as well. Thanks, and um, Anthony, again, thank you so much for all of your time today. I greatly appreciate it, and I know our listeners appreciate it. I, and- I, love, I love that you asked – hard questions you know that it wasn't just a star wars love fest i love that you tested um the uh the 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 reshoots question the 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 reshoots reporting like i'm actually really happy you brought all that up because and not a lot of people ask about the process of reporting these things but they make assumptions about it so i kudos to you like great questions like i love a i love a feisty interview when i i and it's very (laughs) rare that i get to be on the other side of it so I mean, like, good job. I think you, you hit on some interesting topics. It's fun to talk about. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it's, it's always fun to talk about. And I'm, I'm just curious about, I'm curious about you and I'm curious about the, the, the work that you do and, you know, the fact that you have a, a very interesting place in the Star Wars universe on your own. I mean, when I look at the, at the universe of how Lucasfilm ends up communicating what's going on in the Star Wars universe. It seems like between Entertainment Weekly and Vanity Fair, those two publications have sort of most favored nation status, as it were, with yeah. Lucasfilm. And yet there, you know, there has to be an objectivity that happens as well. I think you know, I had a question in here about it, but I think you pretty much answered it throughout the course of the interview about how you manage to maintain your objectivity in reporting about the franchise, you know, whether it's Lucasfilm or Marvel or DC, while still being a fan of it. And when you talked about being, you know, uh, being beholden, for lack of a better word, to reporting the truth and that that's what your standard is and making sure that you're not just going on rumors and and games of telephone that could be happening and you're reaching out to primary sources. I mean, that's where you can tell that your objectivity comes through and where you're passionate not just about the franchise but about your own chosen profession, which is communicating about these franchises and these stories and developing your sources and making it so that way what you report yeah. is authentic. And I think that authenticity came through when you were on stage at Celebration as well. Yeah. It was a very natural conversation and yet you still, you know, 
for the fact that it had to have been choreographed to some degree for it to come out as natural as it did is a testament to you and also to the relationship that you build with JJ and Kathleen and well, it was like a, your it was sources. like almost like making a roadmap, you know, like here are the stops on the ma- on the map, here where we're, here's where we're going to hit, and then but the but the words themselves like weren't scripted, like my questions weren't, I mean I I had notes, but it was just sort of like I would add, I knew certain topics we were going to hit, and then they were going to answer however they felt like answering and sometimes they didn't go as far as we had we had planned you know like mm-hmm. but like i said um you know your question about how you maintain how you how you continue to cover something closely while maintaining objectivity is you just be fair just be fair it's very simple don't take a shot just for the sake of taking a shot don't throw shade or snark into it to score some brownie points or make a a mean joke i mean you can make jokes I don't mean to say that, but like, just be fair. Don't, don't make things worse or better than they are and you'll be fine, you know? And that's all it comes down to. I love writing about the fun stuff, revealing the pictures and diving into the characters. When the China poster cuts John Boyega down to nothing, you got to talk about that too, you know? Mm-hmm. And you've got to, um, you've got to report when Harrison Ford gets crushed by a door you know, there are all sorts of topics in these stories that, you know, they're not necessarily part of the marketing plan. You know, the reshoots being brought up was nobody's idea of uh, anything that they wanted in this story from the studio perspective. But you've got to talk about it. If we didn't, that would look awful and it would set off alarm bells. And so you just be fair. You tell the truth and you're fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good lesson for anything. Yeah, and I think hopefully the next big thing that then comes through, the next bigger theme, and I think you touched on it a little bit in your interview with John Knoll, is the fact that we're seeing a father-daughter relationship for the first time in Rogue One, yeah. and possibly, maybe, we're seeing that with <laughs> with The Force Awakens in Episode 8 and Episode 9. We don't yet know for sure, but uh, to see the Star Wars franchise go from fathers and sons to fathers and daughters is a as a remarkable shift, I think, and I look forward to seeing you reporting on that too, especially now that you have a unique and very personal perspective on it yourself. Yeah, definitely. All right, and so for everybody listening, where should they keep track of you and your goings on in the uh, the world of media, social media, all that fun stuff? I got a I got a Facebook page if you want to see what I'm up to, what I'm what I'm publishing at the moment. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's probably where I'm most active, although becoming less active as time goes on. Uh, I'm at Bresnikan. That's B R E Z N I C A N. That I spend more time on there than I should, <laughs> but uh, that's where you can finally find me most of the time and you know see what I'm up to and 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 engage and say hi. And, of course, we will link to all of those, Facebook and Twitter, and also to your Star Wars Galaxy reporting as well at the blog post for these shows, episodes at SW7X7.com. Anthony, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. It's been an absolute pleasure to explore this with you, and thank you so much for your generosity of spirit and information and being willing to <laughs> take all the, uh, the questions as deep as they could go. So thank you very much for your time. Sure, my pleasure. A lot of fun. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.